Thank you for joining us today for Wandering in the Word, where we read and discuss the upcoming week's lectionary texts at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. Welcome, everybody, to Wandering in the Word for another session of uh, previewing the worship texts for the coming weekend, um, this time for Sunday, March 27th, the fourth Sunday in the season of Lent, I believe. Yes. And after taking a week break from the lectionary for our kid-led worship yeah. service, we're now back on track. And maybe we should take 10 seconds to just celebrate how our kid-led worship service was yeah. so fun and beautiful and how much we love our kids. Yes, they were. They rocked it and were so adorable. And I mean, you know, a little behind the scenes action. We we didn't always feel, I think, the whole time that we had it all figured out. <laughs> but those kids pulled it together and were rock stars. Yeah, so, great. Lot to live up to this coming Sunday. Yeah, we're, we're back shoes just to fill. boring us <laughs> doing our thing. So, but <laughs> so it goes. Um, yeah. So the, we we have a I think a pretty familiar story where we'll we get to hear this weekend uh, that's full of all kinds of I think interesting nuances and ways of thinking about it and. It's one of the beauties of a parable is that you can mm. kind of yeah. drain. So it's the prodigal son. Um, who, which one of us is reading this? I did not I'll read it down. this one. Oh, cool. All right. So this is um, the 15th chapter of the gospel of Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he'd spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. 
Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Oh, it's not a short story. No, it is not. <laughs> oh, but it's a good one. It's a good one. It's probably one of the like top five known Bible verses or Bible yeah, stories I bet you're right. in the world, you know, outside yeah. of church. This and maybe like the Good Samaritan. Good and, Samaritan. Uh, Psalm 23 yeah. is probably another yeah. one. And John 316. That might yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is uh, like the prodigal son is a phrase that has become part of like broader yeah. parlance yeah. in in our society. People know that reference, even if they couldn't quote you know the chapter and verse or maybe even say oh that's a bible reference but mm -hmm. otherwise i don't yeah. really hear the word prodigal all that often so no i heard it I, I don't listen to a ton of sports stuff but i heard it about a quarterback who was like coming maybe it was about tom brady i'm not really sure but they called him the prodigal son has returned because they'd wandered off and then came back <laughs> wandered off into retirement and then he came yeah. back and i was like well, i don't know if that really fits for tom brady but <laughs> But it, it, I mean, the announcers use that in a very secular way. And people are like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I don't think we really use the word prodigal. Yeah. Because it's weird. But yeah. And then there, I mean, that is one character in the parable, but not, I mean, there's others and perhaps even more interesting ones than the prodigal son. And so, um, you know, some people wonder, well, why isn't this called the parable of the forgiving father or yeah. something like that and or someone said someone suggested the the lost or prodigal sons mm, plural because yeah because the, the older brother seems to kind of you know has be lost he's not happy that yeah. his brother's back and yeah. yeah and his relationship to their father is strained kind of despite his <laughs> i don't know he yeah. seems self-assured in that he yeah. has done everything right but and yet that relationship maybe doesn't seem to be one of, of love, but one of duty, obligation. Mm. I don't know. What is weird? I, I did notice that this time. I've heard this story now three or four times already this week. And um, you know, the son says to the father towards the end of the story, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you. And I've never disobeyed your command. And it's like, is that really... And what father really wants their kid to work like a slave? You're, yeah. I mean, slavery aside, which is a terrible thing in and of itself, but even like, you know, working as a servant for me or whatever, like mm -hmm. that's not what you want for your kid. I mean, you want them to like obey and, you know, work hard, but like, not like that. Did his father really expect him to work like a slave? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. Doesn't seem yeah, like something it. kind of feels disordered there, whether yeah. it was a perception and kind of assumption made by the son, or if that was something the father was kind of projecting. We don't we don't really get to know. And like every parable, there's always probably like a bunch of questions that we're like, Jesus, can I just ask right. a follow-up here? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. can you say more about you know this? And they're you know, but it's it is what it is. So that's what we get to work with and yeah, and wonder about. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like you haven't read this now with a couple different groups too. It seems like people really resonate with the family dynamics yeah. of this story. Mm -hmm. 
which are you know interesting in the story but it, i mean we all have family dynamics right whether you're the middle child that gets ignored all the time are you looking the, at me no okay. <laughs> <laughs> are you both middle children yeah oh well I'm the oldest. Suddenly everything makes sense. Everything makes sense now. Um, because I'm the oldest and you know, we <clears throat> are just the best. Are you the elder son in the story? I, Do you you I know he's the uh, to eldest that, eldest son in the story doesn't come out looking too hot in this particular story? <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> family dynamics though is very mm-hmm. fun. Um, you know, and yeah, and this obviously is takes place in a 2000 years ago in a patriarchal mindset of things, which we still kind of have today, but with inheritance and all those kinds of things. But Mm. um, uh, yeah, I don't know. How about you, Melissa? What do you? Well, and all of us are parents too. So who wouldn't celebrate your son coming back? Like, how would you not be like, well, you know, you didn't do whatever the older brother was doing the whole time you were gone. So first do these to do list, catch yourself back up then maybe I'll be happy. Like, of course you're going to be happy and excited. Yeah. Have a big party. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. Well, one kind of like side note to this. Um, I, I was, this story always gets me excited. I remember a store, a study that I read by a guy named Mark Allen Powell. Uh, some of you maybe have heard of this, but um, he, he's a Lutheran seminary professor and he was curious about how different cultures read the Bible interpretation right and so he he read the story with some you know uh, united states seminary students some seminary students in africa and um seminary students somewhere i I might have even been ukraine but it was someplace in out out in that neck of the woods anyways this was like 20 years ago and he's he asked these basic questions and one of the basic questions was was why was the sun hungry Right. And what, who, why is the son hungry in the United States? Because he wasted his money. He wasted, he squandered. He not he manage not his wealth. Right. Wealth management. Wealth management. Said. Yeah. Well, he, he asked the same question in Africa where they have a very communal sense of people, you know, their villages take care of each other. And so they, they latched on to um, verse 16, the end of verse 16, where it says, you know, he, he gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. And so that actually is the part that jumps out to mm-hmm. them. It's like, well, nobody the failure of the community, the failure of the community was the was reason hungry. that this guy was hungry. Yes. He squandered his money, but like that happens, you make bad investments. Sometimes you get robbed, like your money disappears for all kinds sometimes of reasons. Sometimes you accidentally spend it all on prostitutes. Yeah. Sometimes that happens, you know, but the, no one gave him anything. And then when he read it um, to the place like in Ukraine or, or wherever it was um, where they had experienced years and years of severe famine, all of a sudden they, they would read, Verse 14, when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country and he began to be in need. Mm. So the reason that he was hungry was the famine. Mm. There was no nothing. And to that eat. was a communal experience then. A, that mm-hmm. hunger, it wasn't necessarily a personal judgment or consequence of his own action, but the sort of broader reality of yeah. the, the of, time. Of what was going on. Was there a, is there a famine? And so yeah. I always find that interesting because you know we're so steeped in our own culture mm-hmm. that we read this. And we're like, well, clearly he just squandered it. Yeah. Yes, we. I mean, that's the scripture says that. But there's also other things at play mm-hmm. <laughs> that we just kind of skip right, right. over. Um, it is interesting how explicitly both of those other things yeah. are included right there in the text. And like you said, we kind of gloss over it because we come with our own set of yeah. lenses and uh, assumptions. Yeah. And it's not to say that like you know we're reading it wrong, but it's just like you know people in different places with different experiences and things in life kind of hear things differently and it's because it's right there in the text 
it tells and, us. Yeah, they're all true. They're all true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all all the case. And so I don't know. I, I always find that interesting in this story. It, I mean, it's so long and it's so kind of rich and there's so many details in it. Mm-hmm. Unlike some of Jesus' parables, which can be a little more brief. Yeah. This one he he elongated. Mm-hmm. So and maybe we should mention that too, that um, when you look at the the reference for this passage on Sunday, it's Luke chapter 15, verses one, two, and three, comma, jump to verse 11b, and then read through to the end. But um, we're missing, we're missing a little chunk between the, the explanation of what's going on and who's there. And it's two more parables of things that are lost. It's like the lost coin lost and the lost coin. sheep. Yeah. I think. Um, and so then it makes sense that in this sort of um, like a trilogy of parables, really, that, that, that potential title for this, the lost sons or the lost mm-hmm. son, either way, um, kind of fits into the, the, the theme that Jesus is speaking of is what, what was lost is found. And that's yeah. worthy of celebrating. Yeah. I mean, it's very beautiful. I mean, some of the adjectives that you get, which we don't always get a lot of adjectives and emotions in the this Bible, true. but you know, the, the father sees him and has is filled with compassion as he's walking down that long road far off. Um, you know, and my son of mine was dead and is alive. He's lost and is found. And he repeats that same line with his brother, except he says, your brother was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Um, so a lot of relationship connection in this text as well. It is interesting that when the son is upset with the father, he's like, this son of yours. Yeah. And then the father's like, this brother of yours. And then yeah. there's like, these relationships are an important part of the the story too and how they you know that brother belonged to them that son you know that that was his family and he did belong there even though he made some poor decisions yeah yeah so a powerful story that also kind of i think connects maybe with our um new testament reading (laughs) second corinthians melissa do you want to read that one yes Second Corinthians five verses 16 through 21 from now on. Therefore we regard no one with a human point of view, even though we once were Christian or let me try that again. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. A lot of big words in there. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of reconciling, reconciled, reconciliation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't count them, but um, that was uh, definitely the theme throughout. So that Mm -hmm. is is a good tie into the, the parable that we just read which is all about kind of restoring relationships. Yeah. Reconciling with each other and being ambassadors of that record of Christ 
Um, interesting um, trivia note, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 was my confirmation verse. Whoa. Okay. You know, for if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. The old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Why did you choose that one? Why did that speak to I you? I just really a, liked it. I, I, I like that idea of like new creation. That's always kind of fascinated me. The um, um, that idea of change and that, you know, like God actually like works in us to make us new. And um, so I just, I really liked yeah. it at the time. It's very hopeful. Yeah. It is. Um, so I, I still really like it. Yeah. Um, to this day. And, you know, I, I think of it often because, you know, we, I think sometimes there's this like ideal that we put up that like, you can't ever change. Like you can't change your mind. You've got to be the same as you were 30 years ago. And if you aren't, then you're weak, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like it's literally like the, one of the basic points of our Christian faith is that no, like we, we do change yeah, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. And not, and even, even bigger than change is death and resurrection Yeah, is like a hard stop Culminating and a brand that. new yeah. start. And if we are, if we take a baptism seriously and then confession and, and absolution as a return to that baptismal identity, then this is, this is a continuous process with us. Yeah, getting repentance. a clean, getting yeah. a clean slate and um, God doing that reconciling work on our behalf through Christ. Yeah. And I, I think it's really beautiful. I also, as I got older, then I would read the other verses around it. And 19 was one that always stuck out to me. It's the, the phrase in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. I, I mean, that's just such a big, it fits with John three sixteen, but just that idea that like this Christ thing wasn't just a little like for you and maybe you, but not you and you and you, but like, it, this was like a, a global cosmic reconciliation taking place. Um, and a huge grace yeah. mean, to reconcile the whole world and not count yeah. any trespasses against us. That's a, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal, big change. So it, it kind of breaks open your mind a little bit, I think. It does. Yeah. And then, and this is then a big responsibility that, that we are entrusted with that message of reconciliation to go and be ambassadors. That means like we keep on talking about it and we keep on proclaiming it and we keep on like living out what that looks like. I mean, that's, that's, I guess what discipleship is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Uh, So this is, this makes me sound really cool, but I saw, I was watching with my daughter, a Billie Eilish documentary. Whoa. She just saw her in concert a couple of weeks ago and um, they, they arrived in Australia for one of her concerts and she's getting off the plane and um, they're greeted by um, indigenous folks who are kind of doing this cool chant, but it's one of Billie Eilish's songs, right? <laughs> wow. But they're, they're dressed in full kind of their full cultural outfits and things with um, skirts and all this kind of stuff. And it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're clearly ambassadors welcoming mm-hmm her to their country. And, and I, you know, that idea that, you know, we're we're called to kind of bear Christ, you know, through our actions and as best we can to be ambassadors for him um, with this message of reconciliation, this message of love, of of new life and new creation. Um, (laughs) I don't know if we should like fully dress up every week when people come into church. The all out regalia. (laughs) Oh, but you know, that, that kind of idea of welcome and like, um, 
showing people who we are, you know, not hiding it, but um, it's kind of cool. I didn't think of that till right now. <laughs> Billie Eilish, you know, I'm just trying Tying to find it all together. to be hip and cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyways, well, uh, any kind of closing connections or thoughts or ideas between these two? Um, just a um, quick mention. I think verse 21 was, was important in Martin Luther's thinking that for our sake, God made Christ to be sin, even though Christ knew no sin himself, that that's part of that sort of happy exchange. That was yes. Luther's teaching on, on, you know, how this, how this all works, that God exchanged our sin for Christ's righteousness. And then, and then here we are new life, new creation, all of the good things that we, uh, that we hold to as Christians. Indeed. Yeah. How about you, Melissa? Yep. Yep. That's all. <laughs> that sounds good. Yep. No Billy Eilish no, stories. No, I wish. Wow. Well, not that cool this week. Bill, Billy and I aren't that Next close, week. but you know, through the documentary, I felt like I got to know her a little bit. So <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> um, well, anyways, well, uh, thank you everyone for joining us for March 27th, 2022's Wandering in the Word. We're glad you could be here with us for Melissa and Pastor Brandy. Uh, we look forward to being with you again soon. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.